this is your first time here, my name's Adam, uh, lead pastor here. I had one of those mornings, so I feel like I tell you this every once in a while, it's like every couple months. I wake up and I'm tired and I like, I'm doing some sermon prep in the morning and I, my eyes kind of start to fall, like just drop and then I go to a gas station and I buy energy drinks and you know they give you uh, better deals, you buy two rather than just one, so I buy two and then you have two, so you just might as well drink two and then I sit here and worship and I'm like, I'll put my hand up like this. So uh, if I talk really, really fast today, you know why. Uh, I'm very, very caffeined up right now. Uh, so I'd like to start this morning with some childhood nostalgia, childhood nostalgia, uh, at least for me. Uh, and the 90s kids in the room will totally get this, okay? So how many of you remember these books? These things are so, so awesome. So my, my memory of these is my mom used to take us to the library like during the summer so that we would like not forget how to read, you know? Uh, but, but what we would do is we'd go and we'd find these and we'd stare at them the entire time, which was totally not what she wanted us to do, but I still know how to read, mom. Uh, so we, we succeeded in that area, but these were so amazing, so amazing. Uh, so if you're not a 90s kid and you don't know what this is, uh, this is a book full of pictures that at first glance, they're nothing. They're nothing. Uh, just colors and patterns, seems kind of chaotic. But if you do this little certain trick with your eyes, uh, all of a sudden uh, a 3D image kind of appears and it really does seem like magic. So how many of you, uh, you know the trick and you can actually see these things? How many of you can actually do it? Okay, not very many, you guys are terrible. Um, <laughs> So just so you know, I was testing this uh, earlier, and on the big screen, you, you, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm actually really good at these. I'm bragging a little. I'm really good at these. Uh, but from a distance, I can't do it. So um, if you're a wizard, you could, you could pull it off. I don't know if those of you who have the ability to do it, if you want to try to do it. Uh, but like I said, I can't, I can't get it to work from a distance. And I think I know why. Um, but uh, the idea is that you have to do something with your eyes, and something really comes to life. I still remember the first time I, I figured out how to do this. I was at the Porter's Lakes Library with my best friend at the time, Sean Seacrest. He was looking. He could see him. I couldn't, didn't believe him. But then uh, as I started to stare and there, you know, you're told to just stare at these things. So I just stare at it. And then eventually my eyes kind of went like lazy for a second and boom, there it was. And then I was able to train myself to see them. So um, now in case you can't see them now, you won't be able to do this here, but I just want to kind of tell you how you would uh, go about it. So what you would see on this one is something that kind of looks like that, but it would be in 3D. Uh, so it's a guy jumping out of an airplane. It's really cool uh, if you can do it. But if you want to, like, actually, if you ever have a close-up, if you pull them up on your computer, if you type in magic eye, you can look at a bunch of them. Uh, be prepared to get a headache after doing it. Um, but what you, you don't actually look right at the screen. Okay, That's, that would not be the way to do these. Um, if you look right at the picture, you're just going to see random patterns, random colors, kind of chaotic, and you're going to be bored and you're going to be frustrated because you're not going to see anything if you do this with your eyes. What you actually have to do to be able to see these things is you have to put your point of focus beyond the picture. You, you kind of have to look through it, if that makes sense. You can't stare right at it, you have to look through it. And if you focus your eyes beyond the picture, something actually happens in your brain. It activates like this depth perception part of your brain and boom, uh, and it really is kind of like magic. It, it seems like you'd be able to reach inside of the picture. So you can't look at it, you have to look 
through it. If you look right at it, all you see is color and all you see is chaos. If you look through it, a picture appears. Uh, In order for it to work, you have to look through it. And I thought, that was a really profound concept. In order for you to actually see the meaning, the purpose of the picture, you have to look through it, not right at it. You have to look past the image for, for order to spring out of the chaos, for things to come clear. If you look right at it, it's pointless, it's frustrating, but if you look beyond it, meaning actually springs out at you. What if, what if the world works the same way? What if your life works the same way? If you look right at the things in this world, it makes no sense sometimes. If you look right at uh, your circumstances, all you're going to see is color and chaos, and it's going to be pointless and frustrating. But, but when you look through them, when you look beyond them, when you look past your circumstances, all of a sudden, a picture appears, depth appears, purpose appears. What if this world only makes sense when you look through it, beyond it, when your eyes are focused somewhere else? Everything becomes more clear. What if you have to adjust your eyes not to look right at your circumstances? Maybe even right now in your life, you you can't look right at your circumstances, but you have to look through them. You have to look past them in order to actually make sense of what you're going through in your life right now. What if you actually have to adjust your eyes out beyond in order for the things right in front of you to make sense? In 2 Corinthians 4.18 The Apostle Paul wrote this, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the Apostle Paul wrote this. This is really, uh, this guy wrote most of uh, the New Testament of the Bible. He wrote this to a church in the city of Corinth. And what he says here is, hey, don't fix your eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. And at first that's like, I don't know how I can focus on something that's not even, I don't know what you're talking about. You can't, you can't focus on something you can't see. Uh, but when you look at these kind of pictures, you're like, hey, I'm actually, in order to get this to work, I have to focus on a point beyond this thing, past this thing that's not really there in order for this thing to come into focus. So it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but he says, no, 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 you, you focus on what is unseen because what you can see is temporary and what you cannot see is eternal. When you look past the physical into the spiritual, the physical actually is given depth and meaning and purpose. What if, what if that's your problem? Like life has looked like one of those pictures this is what your life looks like. Just kind of chaotic and, and, and color and, and pattern, but it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to you. And <laughs> you get it. But what if, what if you adjust your eyes to look at the eternal? Like Paul says, what if you adjust your eyes to look past, to look through it, and then all of a sudden, maybe the, the picture would appear, maybe the meaning, maybe the purpose would appear if you look past your circumstances, not right at them. If you look through them, if you look beyond them, if you look to the eternal, the physical will actually come alive and be given that depth that your heart already longs for. So what I want to do is I want to look at uh, the chapter right after the, the verse that we just looked at. Um, but before I do that, I, I need to give some context to 
the verse we just looked at. So um, before I begin, I want you to know I'm primarily going to talk to Christians today. So if you're not a Christian, uh, I'm not kind of really aiming right at you. So you're off the hook. Congratulations. This doesn't apply to you. You don't have to leave here going, oh, I feel like I have to. No, you're good. Um, matter of fact, I give you full permission to elbow the Christian who invited you because they should be doing this and you uh, can kind of referee them on that. So Christians, Christians, we believe there is a reality beyond this reality. Yes? We believe uh, that there is a spiritual world beyond this physical world. That these two, and these two realities are actually intrinsically linked, right? We, we believe the spiritual world and the physical world are uh, linked. That the physical affects the spiritual and the spiritual affects the physical. That they, they kind of interact with each other. And we believe that death is not just an ending, but it's also a beginning, right? That the end of this life is the beginning of another one, an eternal one. And that when we enter eternity, uh, how we spend that eternity depends upon our heart's disposition towards God, right? Our faith, our forgiveness. If we love God, trust God, are forgiven by God through what Jesus did on the cross for us, we spend our eternity with God in heaven. If we don't, we spend eternity separated from God. By the way, we don't really believe that God sends people to hell, so to speak. We more believe that people choose it in that the gates of heaven are open. God's forgiveness and love is, is an invitation to everyone. You have to actually choose to accept it. Now, this eternal reality beyond the temporary physical one is supposed to greatly affect how we live in this physical one, right? The spiritual reality is, is in a lot of ways more real than the physical one, and we believe that that spiritual reality is supposed to affect how we live in the physical reality. We're supposed to live in light of eternity, right? We're supposed to live as if we know that death is not the end, but just a, a new beginning, and that how we live in this life will affect very much how we experience the next one. The spiritual reality that we believe in is supposed to flavor our choices, our attitudes, and the general direction of our life. Right? It's supposed to. It's supposed to. So with all that said, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And we'll just kind of go through uh, to the end of the chapter. So here's what Paul says. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. So Paul starts off here uh, in this verse saying that we as Christians, we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. So we, we understand that, that God is real and that he's huge and awesome and infinite. And because we understand that, we're going to work hard to persuade others. Persuade them of what? The fact that this physical reality is not all there is, right? We're going to work hard to persuade people that there is a deeper spiritual reality beyond this physical one and their hearts long for it and they just maybe haven't realized it yet. We're going to work hard to persuade people of that. That there is more, that God is real, that God loves them, that Jesus died for their sins in their place. That's what we're going to work hard to persuade people of. This verse is, is like so important to us as a church. I hope you know that. It's like built into the DNA of Mosaic. We as a church work hard to persuade people. 
And the Greek word for persuade is really important to me. It's this word, uh, pytho, pytho, and it means to gain one's trust, to make friends, to win over. To gain trust takes some time, right? To make friends, that, that takes an investment. To, to win over, that's, that takes some work, right? So, so what we're saying is we, we don't just throw pe- truth at people from a distance, right? We're, we're not lofting uh, passive-aggressive Christian Facebook posts at people from a distance, right? That, that's not what this means, right? We're not going to stand on the street corner with uh, a sandwich board sign that says the end is near. It's, it's, it's not, it's not to, that's not what this verse says, right? Uh, we're not going to get up in somebody's face and ask them if they know Jesus if we don't know them. Because this takes investment, this takes time. We're going to get to know people. We have to let people know that we care about them before we go uh, in hard with the truth. We've got to show people that we want something for them, not from them. Because people's default position in this world right now is to just think that you're after something. You want something, you have some angle you haven't revealed yet. So you're going to work hard to get past that, to convince people that, no, 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 I want something for you, not from you. And then I love that at the end of this verse, he says that God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Like, hey, God knows uh, our hearts. God knows that, that this is real to us. This is real. We're not faking this faith. It's not that we're just kind of like, maybe this is true. We really believe this stuff, and, and God knows it, and I hope other people know it. Like, I hope that, that our authenticity kind of uh, creates an aura around us that people can just kind of tell that this is real to us, that this faith stuff isn't some act, it's not some uh, facade we're putting on, that we really believe what we say we believe, and, and people can just tell. That's what Paul's praying. So he continues, verse 12, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard, now I'm reading the same verse again, look at me, I'm sorry. Let's, let's actually read the next one, be a good one. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. If we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. That's some of your life verse right there, just so you know. What? It's my life verse right now. It seems I'm crazy. It's to bring glory to God right now. Okay. Verse 13. You need to put this on a bumper sticker, and that's you. Um, Verse 14, either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for us all. We also believe that we have all died to our old selves. So, um, what he's saying here is, hey, if you're going to live for this spiritual reality that you believe in, that there is a spiritual reality beyond this physical one, if you're going to really live for that, like really, if you're going to do the thing with your eyes, you're going to look through this physical reality, if you're going to really focus on what's beyond what you actually see in front of your face, and you're going to live uh, through what you see when you do that, there are going to be people who think you're crazy. People are going to look at the decisions you make and, and the attitudes that you have, and they're going to go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because they don't see what you see. They just see color and, and chaos and pattern. They don't see what you see. They don't see the depth. They don't see the purpose. They don't see the meaning behind what they see. And you do. You're going to make different decisions. You're going to have a different attitude. Your life's going to be different than someone who doesn't see what you see. And they're going to say, they're going to question you all the time, right? You're going to, you're going to stay with that person? Even though they did what you, they did? Why don't you just leave them? 
Because I'm, I'm not looking at the situation, I'm looking through the situation. I'm not just looking right at the surface, I'm looking beyond to the spiritual reality behind this physical one. You're calm in the middle of that crazy situation. How are you not freaking out right now? How are you not losing your mind right now? Because I'm not looking right at the situation, I'm looking past it, I'm looking at what God's going to do through this situation because I believe in a reality beyond this reality. You're giving your time and your money to a church. Aren't there a lot better things you could do with that time and that money? Well, that's because I'm not living for this life. I'm living for the next life. And I know that when I die in this life, it starts another one. And the other one lasts way longer than this one. So so my eyes are just adjusted past. I'm looking through this. I'm not looking right at it. And then so if it seems like you're crazy, you're going to bring glory to God. And if you're in your right minds, it's for their benefit. So, so no matter how it seems to somebody, like on the outside looking in, they look at your life, either they think you're crazy or you're not, no matter what, it's Christ's love that controls you. It's, it's God's love that is motivating you to make your decisions and have your attitudes and, and choose the general direction of your life. It's, it's what Jesus did for you that is going to flavor your entire life. Everything you did, everything you do flows out of what Jesus did. Continues, verse 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So what this is saying is, hey, we're going to be so in tune with this spiritual reality that we're not going to live just for the physical one, right? We're, we're looking through this physical one to the spiritual one, so we're not just living for this physical one. We're no longer going to live for ourselves. And man, that, in order for a selfless life to make sense, you have to believe in a spiritual reality, right? A selfless life without a spiritual reality, without a life beyond this life, is a stupid life, right? If you're going to live a selfless life, you better believe there's something after this one. It'd be kind of depressing to get to the end of your life and have poured everything out and not live for yourself and not believe that something else is coming. But we do. We believe in a spiritual reality behind this physical one. A selfless life is a jumping off point into the next one. He continues, verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought, Christ, we thought of Christ from merely a human point of view. How differently we know him now. I love this verse. This is so awesome. So, so what he's saying is, hey, we, we, we're, we're looking at the world different. We're looking through things, not right at them. And that includes people. He like gives a special verse just for people because he knows this is the hardest place in your life to do this. That you're not going to look right at somebody. You're kind of going to look through them, but not in a bad way. You're going to not just see their body. You're going to see their soul, if that makes sense. You're not just looking at a person. You're looking at a soul. And it's, it's deeper. It's, it's heavier than just looking at a person on the surface. You're looking through that. C.S. Lewis said it this way, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. So what he's saying here, nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, they're temporary. They're mortal, so to speak, in that they won't last forever. But a human, just one person, they will last longer. Like there we are, every soul is immortal. So a person 
is eternal compared to these, these things that we normally think of as being humongous, right? Civilizations, nations, cultures. He's saying, no, no, those things compared to us is like the life of a gnat, which is crazy, right? So think of the Roman Empire. It's like a thousand years. To us, that's huge, right? But C.S. Lewis is saying, no, 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 if you look through, don't just look at the surface. If you look through, if you look beyond, if you look at the soul, not just the body, it's the Roman Empire that's short, If you compare the Roman Empire to, you know, Janet from accounting, (laughs) Janet's soul is going to last forever. Janet is going to last forever, and the Roman Empire is a blip on the radar of eternal history. So C.S. Lewis is putting these two things on a scale, saying nations and cultures and arts and these things that seem bigger than life. Uh Uh-uh. No, the weight of one soul is worth more than that, and it's going to last forever. So from that annoying slacker at work to the random waitress at lunch to the terrible empire at your kid's baseball game, immortal souls, all of them, they will last forever. It really gives weight to every interaction, doesn't it? If you actually think about human beings as as being uh, immortal, they're going to last forever. It gives weight to every interaction. Not that we're going to be serious all the time, but that every single person, their soul isn't going to ever extinguish Man, it gives depth and meaning to every interaction we have. Every interaction we have. It's not just going to be that surface colors and patterns. It's going to be depth to it. And then he uses... Oh my gosh, there's a mouse on the screen. Did you guys see that? (laughs) And then he uses Jesus as an example. We, we used to just see Jesus as some guy that lived a long time ago and maybe did said some cool things, did some cool things, but now we see Jesus as, as being the son of God, the, the creator of the universe, the, the savior of the world, the one who died on the cross in my place for my sins and, and, and did everything for me. So we used to view him one way and now we view him another way. And what C.S. Lewis is saying, or what uh, Paul is saying, they're both saying, is that your, your mindset, your sh- you have to have a shift in your thinking about people. That you're not going to think about people just as people anymore. You're going to realize that people have this soul that will last forever. And it's going to give weight to every interaction. To close out this chapter. Well, not quite. Some famous verses here. And all of this is a gift from God who brought, brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So, uh, I still say that Braveheart is the best movie ever made. Hard right turn. Pay attention. Uh, And I realized this morning that it is almost 25 years old, which means I am old, evidently. Uh, But how many of you have seen the movie Braveheart before I just start talking about it? Okay, if you don't have your hand up, what the heck? Um, (laughs) 
So it has everything. It has grand battles, like these battles that just seem bigger than life. And it's not just like arrows and swords clashing. Like you can kind of tell what's going on. There's strategy, there's purpose behind the stuff that happens. So I just love that. Uh, there's the underdog feel of the whole movie that just gives it that flavor, man. Mighty England getting taken down by a ragtag group of Highlanders. I just love that. Uh, you got the self-sacrifice, a willingness to do whatever it takes, including to give up your own life for a purpose, a reckless bravery that, that uh, William Wallace has in the movie. And then the mission, the mission, and that's the part that I love the most, the idea of being caught up in something bigger than yourself. A mission that not just can be done, but that it must be done. Not just can we, not just should we, but we have to fight, we have to. It's one of the, my, I have so many different parts, I could quote the whole movie, um, I've watched it so many times, very, very beginning, his, uh, William Wallace's dad is talking to him when he's a kid, and or actually they're doing some kind of strategy session, he's like, we don't have to beat them, we just have to fight them. It's like, it doesn't even matter if we win, we just, we just have to stand up, we just, have to, we just have to show up to the fight, and I love that, man, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it, and it's not even an important part of the movie. But my real favorite part, I'll, let me just, I'll just, I'll just act out the whole movie for you guys. Um, <laughs> Uh, is uh, they're, they're well into their campaign here. So William Wallace is growing uh, this momentum against England. They won a big battle. They won a couple. And uh, he walks into this meeting with the Scottish elder or the nobles. And he tells them he needs all their troops because he's going to invade England. He's not going to play defense anymore. He's going to play offense. And he wants to go take the fight to them. And one of the nobles sitting at the table, uh, sitting there eating some bread going, that's impossible. And then the shot goes over to William Wallace, and he's got this fire in his eyes. He says, why? Why is that impossible? And, and then he starts, he starts this really uh, sharp speech on how selfish the nobles are and how they just want to live for themselves, and they don't want to live for uh, the greater kingdom, right? And it almost starts a fight, but he's got his buddy named Hamish, who big axe under the table, and everybody shuts up. Okay, um, you get it? Now, the nobles end up betraying Wallace. Because they can't see what he sees. They don't want to live for the kingdom. They, they want to live for themselves. And the cause is greatly hurt by that. They didn't want to give up their, their present safety for uh, a future reality that could have been better. They made decisions to build their own kingdoms rather than to build the kingdom at large. And Wallace ends up dying because of that. And with his last breath, he yells out the word freedom. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you really should. Something wrong with you. Why, why are we drawn to movies like that? Why are we drawn to movies that, that seem bigger than life? And it, it's not just Braveheart, right? Take, take any of them. Um, why are we drawn to movies like that? Where the character is caught up in something bigger than themselves. Where uh, the cause, the mission is so big. Not that it should be done, but that it must be done. And everyone in the movie is absolutely certain this, this needs to be done, right? Voldemort has to be defeated. The Empire must fall. Thanos must be stopped. Whatever. Take your fandom pick. I don't care. You, you get caught. We, we as, a, as, a, as a global society, are, are drawn to these stories, these big overarching stories where the great evil must be defeated and, and we can't not fight. We have to. And, and we're, we're drawn to that. Why? 
I think the reason we're drawn is because we were created for a mission like that. You were created to live your life strategically and sacrificially for a cause that is bigger than you. It resonates with something in your soul, deep down inside. It's, it's, it matches the story. It's a story that matches the story, the story that's written on your heart that you are drawn to be a part of. God puts something inside of you, a, a magnetic pull to living for something bigger than you. You're drawn to it. And the reason, uh, the reason you're bored is because you're not living for it. The mission, you, your, heart, your, your heart's designed for something bigger. The mission, this mission, this is it. Uh, God has given us this task, other translations say, this mission of reconciling people to him. That, that's the thing, that's the thing. It's not just that it can be done, it's not just that it should be done, but that it must be done. We have to do this. Your heart, your heart is like wired to be drawn to this. This is the thing, this is why God created you, to do this. You have connected with God, you, you've been found, you, your eyes have been opened, and now you're supposed to turn around for that person who hasn't been found, who I, whose eyes have not been opened, and you're supposed to help them now find what you found, see what you see. To be a champion of the spiritual reality, you can see now, you see past, you don't just see the surface, you see past, you see the depth. And now you are called to persuade people, to help people reconcile to the God of the universe. That's your mission. To fix your eyes on the eternal and help others see it too. And, and if you're not living that out, I do want to propose maybe that is why you're bored. Maybe that's why your life is just... Eh. You know, because you're looking at it. You're looking at it. Your life. God put your, your life in front of you and you're just looking right at it. You're not looking through it. But God called you to look through it. You're just looking at it. So it just looks at colors and chaos and, and there's nothing there. And you're bored of that. And you should be. And you're frustrated with it. And you should be. You go to work. You come home. You pay your bills. You have a little funny, fun on the weekends. Repeat. You go to work. You come home. You pay bills. You have a little fun on the weekends. Repeat. Is that it? Is that what the God of the universe created your soul for? No. That's why you're bored. And that's why when you watch a movie like that, you know, one that has something bigger than the people that are in it, you're, you're, you're drawn to it. Because, you, you, man, you want something like that to live for. You want some kind of cause, some kind of mission that's bigger than you want that to live for. I think God gives, God's given it to us. I think he has. You were created for something so much more than just going to work, coming home, paying bills, and having fun on the weekends. You gotta look past it. You gotta look beyond it. You have to fix your eyes on the eternal and that will give everything in your life depth and purpose. Everything that you do, going to work, coming home, all of that stuff will have meaning and purpose if you focus on the eternal, not just on the thing right in front of you. You represent Jesus. You represent him as an ambassador to the immortal souls in your life. 
not the people, the immortal souls in your life. You represent Jesus. You represent God to those people. You are his ambassador. He put you in their life for that purpose. That's why you're there. That's why you work at the job you work at. That's why you have the family and the friends you have. God wanted you, you, the one, you to be the one to interact with them, to represent him to them. He picked you. And he's infinitely smart, so he made the right choice. It's whether or not you want to take that up. So the series we've been uh, looking at our values as a church and the value we're looking at today is lost or found. Am I allowing my personal preference to get in the way of Mosaic being a church for people who don't think church is for them? Really long, we've got to work on the second part. But the idea is uh, lost or found. Am I fixing my eyes on what I can see or am I looking beyond that in my life? Am I building my kingdom or am I building God's kingdom? Am I looking at things or am I looking through things in every aspect of my life? Which one? Man, to be a church, to be a church of people who look through, to be a church of people who didn't just look at the circumstances of their life, but to be a church full of people who look through it, who saw the spiritual reality beyond the physical one and interpret everything that happened in the physical through what they see in the spiritual. Man, we could be a force. Could be a force. I left out a verse. Uh, It was not a technological glitch. I actually left it out on purpose. I saved it for the end. It's verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. The new life has begun. So, if when you become a Christian, something happens inside of you. Something that was dead is now alive. It's brought to life. Like God breathes a spiritual life into you. So you couldn't see before, now you can and God, that, that, that happening to you is supposed to, not like all at once overnight change you, but it is supposed to change you. It is the beginning of uh, this renewal of your soul and this awakening of something that, that, that was not awake before in you. You're a new person, which means you're supposed to see things you didn't see before. And I, I pray, I, I pray that you live that out. I pray that that newness of life would actually flavor the choices and the attitudes that you have. Worship team's gonna come back out and lead us in one more song. And um, I, want, I want you to really, really reflect on this. Like what Jesus did for you, eternity, the spiritual reality that is beyond this physical one. Man, like is that really affecting your life? Is it, is it really changing things? Is are you living for the mission? Or are you just living for the surface? Are you looking beyond or are you looking at? And is today the day that you need to start adjusting your eyes past what you see?